You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Masterclass. Joining me in studio is Professor Roger Dean. Professor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming through. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. All right. So a couple of days ago, there were the news that came out that the first image of the supermassive black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy had been revealed. Now, this went and made headlines. But many people are like, what does that have to do with the price of bread? (laughs) So maybe help us understand in the context of how big this is, particularly in your industry. Why was it such big news that that this image had now um, been revealed? Sure, yeah, and and fair questions indeed. I mean, well, just let me just step back and say what what black holes actually are. Yes. They're just these extreme objects in the universe that are so abstract, especially when you put it to the price of eggs. where they, they, they're basically these regions that are so dense that nothing, including light, can escape. And their, their size is represented by what's called the event horizon. This is a point of no return, an exit from our universe, if you, if you will. And so the reason this has been interesting and important is because we were able to capture the first image of the black hole in our own Milky Way galaxy. Mm. So it's an extreme of, of the universe but it's here at home as well. It's in our galactic home. Yes. So it's, 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 it's a fundamental test of, of what we understand of the universe, but also has local cosmic uh, relevance. So, and, and maybe we actually need to take a couple more steps back, right? Give us the absolute basics in terms of, because, you know, you spoke about what a black hole is, but we need to have a basic understanding of... Um, the galaxy and the context in which the black hole exists. Now, for myself, who in school where we learned about the black hole, I always had this image that it's like, if you get close to it, it's just going to suck you in and you disappear. <laughs> right. And um, it, it, in terms of the understanding, I had never, ever internalized how does that actually affect those of us on Earth. But I would love for you to share context of how big it is in terms of um, how far it is away from us, but in terms of size, and then maybe it will help us understand the significance um, in terms of that there's an actual image. And even then, in my mind, I was like, would the image not just be black? But it isn't. So maybe take us a few steps back sure. into Absolutely. was it geography class? Was it geography? It's geography, right? <laughs> cosmic geography. Yes, yeah. cosmic <laughs> geography. Let's go to like kind of grade seven, grade eight level of what we are, how we, how the black hole fits into the context of our solar system and then the galaxy and and and. Sure, I'll do that. Um, and, and just a note, I think I think the 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 theme of cosmic geography is very relevant at, at, at uh, school level. But um, let's start with the solar system. How about that? Yes. So, um, you know, everyone remembers, well, everyone knows what a massive effort it was for us to visit our own moon uh, back in, in the late 60s, 1969. Of which some people still believe was faked, which is just <laughs> hilarious. Well, no comment on that in the hour that we'll have to give. <laughs> Um, so the moon is 380,000 kilometers away compared to the size of our Earth, which has a diameter of about 12,000 kilometers. And then the sun is about 150 million kilometers away. Now, zoom out even further, mm-hmm. we've got eight planets orbiting around our sun, 
and our sun just being one of 10 billion stars in our own galaxy. And that's what I'm talking about when <laughs> I'm talking about our cosmic home, um, our local Milky Way galaxy uh, that we live with inside of is is just one of 10 billions of galaxies and it's made up of 10 billion stars itself. I'm just yes. using approximate numbers here, but this is to give you a feel for it. So that is, you know, that's where we sit and, and the size of that galaxy is around 30,000 light years. So if light had to travel for 30,000 years unimpeded, it would only get across the diameter of our galaxy, which you can, you're all familiar with when you look up at the, in, the, in the beautiful night sky and you see that band of stars. But another way of thinking about that is a fried egg where you're towards the outskirts of the white parts of the egg. We live in galactic suburbia. Um, now, something that was dis discovered, it slowly emerged over in the, in the early 90s, is each one of those fried eggs contains a supermassive black hole in the center of the galaxy, right in the middle of the yolk. And that... So just to clarify then, because now we're talking center... Mm -hmm. And because um, our schooling system, the big focus was just on our solar system, we always envisioned the center being the sun and the planets circulating around it. So in relation to if sun was the center that we know in the picture that we see, how and where is the black hole in this picture? Um, it, well, we're about two thirds of the way out on the fried egg. Okay, two-thirds. Okay, I got you. I got you. We're in a fringe part of our galaxy and a fringe part of our universe, I think is a good way to... Okay, okay. <laughs> Astronomy continues to remind me how um, both insignificant we are and, and significant that we're able to hear, to be here to ponder our insignificance, right? Yes. Mm. So... so you, it, it almost sounded like we're about to go into like quite a philosophical <laughs> part of the conversation. It's like, how much do I really matter <laughs> considering I'm a one person in this massive, massive thing called space. Well, I mean, I, you know, by looking up at the sky, I'm constantly reminded how my feet are you know, firmly on the earth. Yes, yes. Uh, and our significance. So, I, I mean, we have the supermassive black hole that weighs about four million suns <laughs> squeezed into about the orbit of Mercury, but not in our solar system, in the center of the galaxy. Mm. That is 27,000 light years away. Please explain a light year. So a light year is the distance in which light, which travels 300,000 kilometers a second, travels mm -hmm. in an entire year. So uh, think of Usain Bolt launching off at um, you know the start of the 100-meter line, but running a lot faster than he, than, he, than he ever did and just carrying on for an entire year. That that is the distance. And in practical terms, so if you say um, um, something is a light year away, that means that um, whoever sees the light once it leaves will only see that side in a year's time. Precisely. So the sun, is which is flipping far, it's really far. <laughs> like, yes. So to extend that, the star is eight and a third light minutes away. We're seeing the sun as it was just over eight minutes ago, and that's a roughly 150 million kilometers. Okay. So in the context of all of that, and you now explaining the size of the black hole, which is the center, remind me again, it's center of the galaxy. It's the center of the galaxy, yeah. Right. So the center of the galaxy being our yolk. In our fried egg, and we're somewhere in the pan on the side, 
very insignificantly somewhere <laughs> in the pan on the side. What is the purpose of that black hole? That is something that we, including at the Wits Center for Astrophysics, are actively trying to figure out. So that um, knowledge that every, every, pretty much every galaxy in the entire universe seems to host one of these supermassive black holes at its center is that was only really it only emerged in the early 90s to mid 90s and we're still trying to understand both how they form at the center of galaxies mm. our milky way being just one example and what that relationship is with its host galaxy um, I, th I think we'll get into the size of black holes in a minute but um, as i'll come to they are incredibly small compared to the size of the galaxy but our evidence suggests that they have a very close, intimate relationship with the galaxies they live in. So was there not something, and mind you, I'm turning 37 and whatever I'm recalling is more than half my life away. Was there not something to do with a massive explosion at some point, right? Where does that fit in the mix? I think you're referring to the very technical term of the Big Bang. Yes, okay. <laughs> so is there the Big Bang? Please bring the Big Bang into context now because for some reason in my mind, I kept rem remembering, wasn't there some explosion? There was something. <laughs> Maybe that's what left the hole. <laughs> so I'll give you a quick, um, just a historical side. The, 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 the term Big Bang was actually used to ridicule the idea that the universe was born out of some kind of explosion. <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it stuck. <laughs> and here we are. So it's not a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it could have been that as well. I, I come to think of it. All right. So now... Um, while we're still trying to discover what the purpose of the black hole is, do we know what it does? Because, like I said, I, I just imagine things being sucked into it or just randomly imploding and thinking of, you know, different sci-fi movies where you're like, okay, that must be what happens in this black hole. Yeah. So black holes have been shown over the last few decades to be basically very important ingredients in our in our cosmic ecosystem if you will you know they've really gone from being firstly f very odd abstract mathematical concepts to then being shown to be actual real objects that we can study um but then that they're important ingredients in our in our in our cosmic ecosystem so they don't just suck matter in they actually uh, eject matter they burp if you will um, and they do so. I'm glad you said burp and not the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Could be more dangerous. <laughs> so, um, and that process can trigger a whole lot of star formation at the center of galaxies. It can eject a whole lot of gas, which is the fuel for star formation in galaxies. So it can basically shape its environment, which is our, you know, in our case, our, our, our galaxy um, for this particular black hole. So, Understanding how these black holes evolve over time and how they accrete matter and w what's going on in the innermost regions as we've zoomed in with the Event Horizon Telescope is important to understand how they can affect our cosmic home effectively. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that is chemical enrichment. Uh, when you trigger star formation, stars actually um, enrich our, our home with, with higher uh, metals and things, and that is critical for life. So. The, the big take-home point that I'm trying to convey is that black holes have gone from abstract mathematical idea to fundamental ingredient for the, fu for the evolution of the universe and, in some cases, life in the universe. Would it be accurate? Because the first thing that came to mind is almost like 
and it's probably very inaccurate, but I thought about the appendix in the human body and how we're still not sure what it does. And there's a theory that the pips that you swallow just go and sit there basically until you die, right? But now from what you are saying is that it actually has a bigger significance than, you know, just an appendix sit, sitting there. It has a purpose. We just haven't figured out what its main use is. Um, it's it's absolutely a critical part of, of the cosmic inventory. Um, that's for sure. Uh, we, we've shown how they, uh, well, astronomers have shown over the last two, three decades just how important they are. So I, I don't think the appendix... Um, uh, or, or just the abstractness is no, lo- is no longer, um, you know, that, that, uh, that apparent. Um, what are they for? Well, uh, I guess um, they're inspiring mystical objects that, uh, that drive us to do all sorts of engineering and software um, and scientific um, uh, stretches in terms of what we can what we can do and learn about them, but um, from a cosmic scale, it, they they basically influence how the centers of galaxies and in some cases the entire galaxies evolve. So now knowing how far away the black hole is from us, because we're just in the pan and the the yolk, at what point do the things that are happening in that black hole start to directly affect us here on Earth, to the point that we will experience it either via climate change or whatever else? Yeah, uh, this is a very good question. So the, the black hole is 27,000 light years away, and that's comparably small distance when you compare it to you know, some of the larger galaxies. But um, So it takes anything that happens, takes even if it's traveling at the speed of light, uh, which is close to Usain Bolt, obviously, uh, it takes 27,000 years for that information to pass, for, for us to notice that anything has changed. However, that's quite small when you... So you might think, okay, well... How's it relevant then? But 27,000 uh, 27, years is actually quite small in a, globe, in a, in a cosmic context. So mm. our universe is approximately 13.8 billion years old. And so every now and again, black holes like our own, and especially in more massive galaxies with more massive black holes, actually start to accrete a whole lot of material. And not only do they shine very brightly, and we relied on that to, to image this black hole, but they can also eject very, very fast um, close to light speed jets of matter mm. and th- this by fast I mean 99 this has been measured 99.9 percent the speed of light these 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 particles are accelerated because they're falling in closer and closer to the center of the black hole as they do that they heat up, the particles um, and the gas heats up and there are very very strong magnetic fields in those in the vicinity so essentially black holes can launch you can think of it as a massive particle accelerator. It can launch a whole lot of material into the rest of the galaxy. And 27,000 years or 27,000 light years is actually pretty insignificant for the most powerful of these jets. So they can actually shut down all star formation, all continued life in a, in a galaxy if they were powerful enough. So they are absolutely uh, relevant to, to our, the evolution of life in galaxies and, and, and the galaxies themselves. What you just said now is very dark. <laughs> and I was like, why does it sound like the black hole is the Satan and hell of our galaxy? But you did mention, of course, that there can be positive things. Um, just in terms of the effect, I'd like to understand a bit better. You know, you were mentioning things like mineral production. How would that work 
considering the distance. And yes, we obviously have to continually study and pass on the information, even if it's not going to affect us today. But would that, for example, you know, suddenly have gold where there was none? Um, so the, the, the black holes can, they can drive out all the gas and shut off all star formation in the dark picture that I just painted. Yes. Um, but if there are more modest effects, they can have the opposite effect. They can actually trigger star formation. Oh, okay. Yes, and, yes. And, you know, I'm just going to boil down star formation into its very simplest terms, but it's, it's effectively turning hydrogen and helium into things like carbon, um, you know, higher, higher chemical, um, higher up there, the, if you remember your periodic table of the elements. Of course I do. Go in. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> of course I remember the periodic table. What are you talking about? <laughs> yes. But I mean, so carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, this is all formed when stars um, actually forge that in their heart. But they need to be triggered. You have to trigger the gas to form stars first. Mm. And then when they explode, they form the, the, the glitzy stuff um, yes. that, that you mentioned. And without that, you you don't really you need a few cycles of that for actually for for life to be triggered um, for for reasons I don't think we really have time to to cover and I'm also not the expert in that but um, there are others like you <laughs> that specialize superior, in other things far superior to me. <laughs> <laughs> and and so so it can have both effects it can have what we call positive feedback and negative feedback yes uh, just to use the the scientific term but. Um, it can go both ways. And we, we live in a more humble galaxy. Um, and fortunately, we live about two-thirds of the way out. But there's lots of evidence that our black hole was very active in the past, but not so active that it just simply shut everything off. Um, that happens in more massive galaxies, mm -hmm. you know, maybe a factor of 10 more massive than what we live in. Um, but it can, it, you know, but I think you can see how that is tied to, I mean, one of the things black holes can do is they can shine very bright in, in x-rays. Um, and, and, you know, you know what you put on uh, when you go and have an x-ray yes. uh, and what the, what the doctor has. I mean, the radiologist has. You, you, you cannot have too high a dose of x-rays. It'll just, it'll fundamentally denature your, your DNA. Mm. So, so having, that's exactly what black holes that are actively accreting can, can emit. And so they can destroy prospects of life for, you know, millions of years of progress towards more complex life. As South Africans, how can we use this black hole to ship off like racists and people like that? <laughs> well, I did mention it's a part of the <laughs> Yes, you did. Okay, I'm getting to understand a little bit better just in terms of our relation to it. But now to come back to the question of the significance and the fact that now we have an image. Does this mean that prior to this image that was recently released, we didn't have an actual picture of the black hole. The black hole was always something that we imagined and we had drawings of based on the information that we had. Yeah, so of this particular black hole, the center of our Milky Way, we did not have an image. You, you might remember in 2019, the same team that I'm a part of released the first image of a black hole, but that was of a very, very giant galaxy, mm -hmm. about 55 million light years away. Mm -hmm. so more than a thousand times further away than the black hole we're talking about today. So this one has particularly significance because it's in, in our in our home galaxy. And the best evidence of what it was before actually won the Nobel Prize back in 2020. So it was awarded to three people, um, but two of whom led groups um, in, in Germany and out of California. And they basically watched 
over 30 years, they monitored very, very massive stars being flung around by apparently nothing. Mm. They monitored the very center of our galaxy and they saw how these stars just were flung around like small children on a, on a merry-go-round, but there mm. was nothing in the center. There was no evidence that there was anything there. That was, that was influencing them being flung around, mm. yes. But what they did see was, was radio waves eventually. So there was this pinpoint of radio light. Um, so there was something there. There was something energetic there um, that was, that was uh, flinging these stars far more massive than ours around at tens of thousands of kilometers a second. And that was the best evidence that we had a supermassive black hole um, of four million times the mass of the sun in the center. But this zooms in quite a lot by about a factor of 150. And actually images, instead of being um, quite far out and you're just seeing the gravitational influence on those stars, here we're zooming on the very, very hot gas that is in its last throes. It's about to cross that point of no return. Mm -hmm. And some of that, um, some of the light of that gas is actually orbiting around the black hole. That's how much the black hole crunches up space-time. I don't know how much time we have to go into general relativity. But so so <laughs> we are going to come to that. And I think, um, you know, what you're saying is making me wonder, um, firstly, how does such an image get even taken and why is it easier to get the image of the black hole in a much bigger galaxy, which is obviously away from us than it would be to get the one locally. But I'd like to invite all of you that are listening. I already see some of your questions that are coming through. 011-883-0702. Give us a call if you've got a question for our guest, the professor here in studio on the black hole. But let's open it up to anything in relation to the galaxy because there is a lot to understand. And uh, you can also use the WhatsApp line 072-702-1702. When we come back from Eyewitness News, headlines will come to all of your calls and your questions and hopefully we're going to walk away from this master class also professors of the black hole 702 master class a master class for today we're talking about the black hole and Listen, if you still don't understand what it's about, neither do I. That's why we have Professor Roger Dean, Director of WIT's Center for Astrophysics at uh, the University of the Witwatersrand. And I was saying in the break to the professor, like having this conversation with you, professor, and hearing all of the knowledge that you have. I mean, you are very specific when you speak about measurements of how many light years away. You are literally the ultimate nerd, and I absolutely love, love, love it. What was it, if I may ask, that got you so um, fascinated in astrophysics? I, I don't think it was one specific moment, but just a general kind of feeling. What I often say is, yeah, I grew up in the free state, and, um, you know, we were just often outside and looking up at beautiful skies. And I, I, I think a lot of people look up and, and wonder. And it was, it was more just a general emergence than a very specific instant in time. But having said that, I do remember certain, um, as a very, I, I have an older brother, eight years older than me. And as a very young child, he showing me certain highlights either of some space technology or some astronomical result and i think that picked my interest even more so 
Listen to all the ladies, be careful of these nerds that know everything about stars. They're going to tell you to lie outside, look up at the stars and give them names. Ooh, I'm very worried for the ladies. But on a serious note, I quickly want to look at some of the questions of which uh, you may still continue to ask of our guests. 011-883-0702 and the WhatsApp line 0727021702. Tabo says, black holes are the ultimate recyclers. Ever so often, they bring our life, they bring our life to end, and as they burp, we start all over. I think that is what accounts for the question, where do we come from? What are your guest thoughts? Yeah, that's an interesting, uh, interesting viewpoint. So, they, they might recycle, well, they, they definitely change, <laughs> change matter, because they, as it swirls in, they heat up tremendously. And as that happens, you can start, you know, you can basically dissociate um, elements into, into, you know, fundamental particles, uh, so-called electrons and protons. So they, they sort of disfigure matter <laughs> in that way um, and bring it down to its, its, its real fundamentals. Um, in terms of what, what happens after that, I mean, a lot of the material gets sucked into the black hole. Mm. Um, and a lot gets shot out, but it doesn't mean that it necessarily lands up in our own galaxy for use in recycling. Actually, for the most powerful black holes, these jets spew the matter out beyond our galaxy into what we call intergalactic space. That mm. is the space between galaxies. So they, 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 they definitely um, change uh, the composition of the universe from more uh, in a variety of ways, yes. But just on the basic principle of what recycling is about, it doesn't necessarily apply to what the black hole does. Depends what your timescales are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. Uh, how many how many times is if you use it three times is that still recycling? I guess so. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but thank you for that, uh, Tabo. Um, one person is saying, "Good Lord, Lebhile, I can't even imagine the vastness of our galaxy. Maybe we should send all racists, corrupt, and lawbreakers to the furthest planet option." That is from Nikki. Another one says, "Hi, Lebo. Please ask what are the probabilities our sun imploding on on itself." and creating a black hole and how will that affect earth and life on it yeah, that's a great question so black holes we, we've found come mostly in two two classes and we've been speaking about supermassive black holes mm -hmm. that lie at the center of galaxies and every galaxy has at least one now those have masses around a million to a billion or 10 billion times the mass of our sun um, but what's being mentioned there is the other class of black holes that actually form at the end of a massive star's lifetime. It runs out of fuel, it runs out of a way of supporting itself, and it implodes. But that only happens if it's about eight times the mass of our sun. It has to be that massive in order to implode. Our, just, just like we live in galactic suburbia, our sun will uh, experience a far less uh, superlative and spectacular death uh, than, than what's described there. But let's suppose for a second it does for some reason. Mm. Let's turn our sun into a black hole and you take all that mass and you squeeze it in. It'll basically be a th um, three kilometers across if, if, you, if, you turn, if you squeeze all that matter and form the black hole. Mm -hmm. But nothing would happen to us. We would continue to orbit around the sun where the sun is um, as we were. 
The only thing that will be different is about eight and a half minutes later that all light will just disappear, um, which we're quite accustomed to here in South Africa at the moment. But that that's the only difference. We'll continue on our orbit on mm. the exact same orbit because it's the same mass that's in the same location. I got you. But obviously, eventually we'll die off because we need sun at some point. We need light exactly. to so, live. Yeah, from, from a gravitation perspective, exactly the same. But uh, obviously, we need light for all sorts of other reasons. All right. So the question I asked you prior is what kind of equipment is required to take a picture of a black hole? And why is it that it was easier to have pictures of black holes that are f- much further away than our very own than, than to take, you know, our local black hole, hole that's right here? One would logically think that the one that is right at home is the easier one to get an image of. Yeah, so this is a great question, uh, folding in a lot of aspects of why I think this, this experiment has been so successful. So the first is just to explain what is the telescope that took this image, right? So we are, the black hole is incredibly small by galactic standards, and it has a very, very small appearance on the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we want to image something very small, we need a very big telescope. Yes. And in this case, we, we observe light from the black hole that has about a, a wavelength of about a millimeter. And if we want to make an image of the ring that you've seen in the image, yes. we actually have to have an Earth-sized telescope. Now, for obvious reasons, we can't do that. But what we do is a, is a cheap way of doing that is we have, think of it as shards of glass of what is an Earth-sized mirror, but we just have a few shards of glass at very specific locations. Mm-hmm. Now, those locations... Um, at those locations are actually antennas, uh, very, very sophisticated antennas, but they're of order sort of 10 to 50 meters in diameter. Um, and they just make up very, very small segments of this Earth-sized mirror. And we still, through software, are able to combine those signals together and, and, and make an image. In essence... You're talking about if you were zooming with your fingers on your smartphone, yeah. right? You've got the software and this little, these, this manipulated circumstance that is creating what, um, uh, what would have been the outcome of having a, a Earth-sized telescope to zoom in that far to then snap the image. It, yeah, pretty much. I mean, basically, if you think of our, our eyes, lens, or as a, or a microscope, what what the glass does there and, and our lens does is to to bend the light and focus it in on one point and then we see a lot more detail because it's focused it in mm. in, in that lo- at that location but what we do in the, with the event horizon telescopes spread right across the earth is we actually uh, instead of bouncing the light and focusing it somewhere we capture it uh, we, we we measure a voltage we 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 then bring that together using software we stitch it together after the fact as if we were bouncing that off mirrors uh, Earth-sized mirrors at the mm. time. So, mm. yeah, a good analogy for this is like recording um, different notes and of an out-of-tune piano and then stitching them together after the fact. Now, so that's the Earth-sized telescope that's observing light from these objects. The, our galactic black hole uh, at the Milky, center of the Milky Way is 27,000 light years away. And the first image was of that galaxy 55 million light years away. Mm. So to your question of why... Why, why do the more distant black hole first? Yes. So there, there are a few answers to that. Um, the first is that um, that black hole is about a thousand times, more than a thousand times more massive. 
Now, black holes are basically defined by their mass, and we won't get into their spin, but this, their mass basically determines how big they are. And the black hole in, we call it M87, 55 million nights away, that is about six and a half billion times the mass of the sun. And it fits, you can fit the, the entire, our entire solar system in, into that black hole. So it's actually easier to see because it's much bigger. It actually appears the same size because by co cosmic coincidence, it's about a thousand times more distant. Oh, uh, wow. So these two rings are pretty much the same size on the sky, um, but one is a lot bigger. And the reason that's important is because the hot gas that's swirling in its immediate vicinity is not moving around. Well, they're both moving at close to the speed of light, but it's not changing in for for our appearances it's not changing as much it's think of it this way if someone's going 120 kilometers an hour around a circle right in front of you well that's that's changing quite quickly mm. but if it's if if they're very far away then you, you know a circle that's you know 100 kilometers away that's that's not going to seem to be a major change yes in, in, i got you so so this the more distant black hole doesn't change that much whereas the the black hole in the center of our galaxy literally is changing its structure while we're observing it. So if you think of trying to take a long exposure photograph of something like um, my three-year-old son, um, <laughs> it's very hard to do that if they're not sitting still. Yeah. So that was the one challenge. But the other big challenge, to come back to our fried egg analogy, in the, in the more distant galaxy, we're looking straight out the egg, mm. um, and it's a much clearer view. But in our Milky Way case, we're peering through gas and dust towards the yolk. Mm. And electrons, um, these particles, they scatter the light as it traverses through that gas and dust towards us, far more than it does when we're looking sort of outside, um, through directly up out of the yolk, uh, out of the, the egg white. And so both of those reasons, the fact that one black hole is essentially much faster uh, and it has uh, more um, more gas and dust between us, R put a lot more emphasis in the software development. And that's why it took an extra three years to, to produce this compared to the first black hole. Wow. We are truly being schooled in this masterclass today. Last chance, 011-883-0702-072-702-1702. It's a masterclass on the black hole. 702. Masterclass. All right, we're wrapping up our masterclass on the black hole. I'm very quickly going to go to some of your questions and I'll do my absolute best to get to as many of them as possible. So the question that I have here, um, Professor, please speak to original conflict between a black hole and quantum physics. Also, a white hole, the retention of info. But what about matter? Does that create a white hole? Um, and then they say, was the Big Bang a white hole? That's from Aaron in Joburg. And just for the interest of time, I know some of these require light years of explanations, but you will do your best, I'm sure, Professor. Sure. Um, some great questions there. So uh, in, in terms of trying to, we have these two incredibly successful theories that describe nature on completely different scales. So Einstein's general theory of relativity explains things on the larger scales exceptionally well. It's passed tests for over a hundred years now. Um, and quantum mechanics does extremely well at, at describing the very small. But what we ha don't have is a theory that, that, that marries these two together. Now, there are not a lot of circumstances where, where the macroscopic and the, micros or the quantum kind of come together. But black holes are such an example. Um, where 
these quantum mechanical effects and and gravitational effects can can both in principle be seen and therefore they're ideal laboratories in principle to study these effects and try and understand more fundamentally um, what what we what's missing why why don't these two theories that are so successful in their own domain um, why aren't they able to be put together so we don't quite have the imaging quality yet to do those kinds of tests but we're working very hard at, at, at improving that and one of the ways is we hope to expand the event horizon telescope array onto the African continent we've got a very strong geographic advantage here but depending on where you put those shards of glass for the mm. earth-sized mirror that improves the quality of the imaging you know you can go from very low res to HD pretty quickly if you are very careful about where you put those. So we're working very hard on that to, to, to enhance our tests of general relativity. But at the moment, what we've done by imaging two black holes that are over a thousand times different in mass is to basically validate that Einstein's general theory of relativity holds in these completely different environments, which I think has been an extraordinary success of the Event Horizon Telescope. And then the questions about the white holes... Yeah, so white holes is uh, we. This is more into you know the speculative domain. We don't have uh, evidence that they exist, and that we don't have observations of them like we do of these two black holes. Mm. So I'd definitely be venturing into um, more speculative territory. Um, and what is the theory or the idea of what a white hole is at this stage? Well, I mean, as the name suggests, basically the opposite of black hole, that something can form from its massive expansion. So there was an, uh, a reference made to um, the Big Bang there mm. and the so-called inflationary period where you have um, the universe starts off incredibly small and expands at a very, very rapid rate. And, uh, and uh, that, that early stage, we're talking 10, well, 0, 0, 0, 34 zeros um, seconds after the birth of the universe. This is, this is the domain that we're talking about. And then everything expands and, and, and our universe is formed and it's been cooling ever since. Um, so in a nutshell, that's, that's, that's the kind of thing we're talking about, but we don't really have observational evidence of astrophysical white holes at this point. I'm so devastated that we've <laughs> run out of time. Yakun Santan, I'm so sorry I cannot take your call and to all of your questions that came through. I am so, so sorry. Yeah, I'm so sorry. But thank you so much to you, Professor Roger Dean, for chatting to us about this really fascinating subject on the black hole. It's getting me to think I will speak to our producer, you know, that there is possibly another conversation that can come out of this that isn't just black hole specific, but on what you mentioned of our severe insignificance. Maybe we need to be reminded of how truly insignificant we are when it comes to the bigger, bigger picture. Thank you so much, Professor Roger Dean, Director, Witt Center for Astrophysics at the University of the Witt Vartis Run.